Okay, hello, welcome to episode 130 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, for those of you that actually did catch um, the episode I placed or that I posted yesterday, I decided to delete it because after recording it and posting it, I kind of thought it through again and, and just thought, damn, that was a pretty lackluster and terrible episode just because, you know, rightfully so to a certain degree, I was a little bit pissed after that game. So, decided to just do a little bit of a retread and just give more clear thoughts, more thorough thoughts, also after, you know, having a day to think about the game and, you know, what it means in the long run. Um, so, yeah, let's let's run this back again. Also, I forgot to talk about um, AEW. Um, later on in the episode, I will go over um, my thoughts on AEW. Um, I was supposed to, I was hoping to do probably predictions yesterday, but, you know, in the midst of being very angry and just very disappointed, I just was flustered and forgot about it. So uh, later on in the episode, you're just going to hear me talk about the results. Anyway, so let's get to the game. Uh, the Kings lose against the Thunder, uh, 105 to uh, 103. Uh, let, let's get the final play out, out of the way. So what happened was... Um, Fox runs essentially a 1-4 kind of lineup, basically an ISO at the end of the game. And, you know, Buddy Hill comes over the screen. Um, Harrison Barnes comes over the screen. None of them make any contact uh, on the screen and they basically slip the screen. Lou Dort kind of just stays right on Fox and Fox kind of tries to cross over and just kind of dribbles the ball off of Dort who steals it and gets the layup. Um, Fox tried to block it, but to no avail, and that was basically the game winner. And the final possession, Buddy Heel gets open. Um, kind of open, but he's kind of fading to his left and shoots an air ball. And game is over, unfortunately. Um, maybe, like, I mean, it's kind of, I, I get why you go for the win, but at the same time, like, you could have gone for a two and just see what you got. I mean, nothing was, there was nothing really there, and Play draw seemed a little off. I don't know, but anyways, um, my takeaways from the game. I've had a whole day to kind of make just some extra notes from what I uh, what I originally had. Uh, let's start with De'Aaron Fox. Um, you know, De'Aaron is the face of this franchise, and is supposed to be the man. And it's no secret that he has not played up to par at this point. Um, you know, last night it felt like he played a lot better, but I I looked at his stats and he was actually pretty bad. Um, five for 14, two for seven from three, four for five. But I thought he had got more free throws, and for only 16 points, um, only two turnovers. Wow, the the final one was a doozy. But you know, you know, two turnovers, but five assists. So overall, not the worst game, like statistically. Not a great game by any means, but I felt he was a lot better than what his statistics show. But the main thing was that I noticed for certain stretches, unfortunately when shit went down, you know, when shit hit the fan, it was he wasn't there to save us, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, he was ultra-aggressive going in there looking for contact. He had multiple assists to Rashawn, which was another thing you, you kind of I was trying to look for because... Rashawn, for the past few games, has not gotten involved on, on you know, on the offense. And he's been, you know, suffering because of it. Um, I get the, ne the other thing was, 
I mean, like, he, I thought he played well enough on offense to kind of get around, get along. But, you know, going up against Lou Dort, like one of the best defenders in the league. It, I mean, I'm going to say this a lot about a lot of teams. He's their version of Davion Mitchell. And, you know, he he made he made the big plays down the stretch, like got got offensive rebounds, like just out hustled guys um, down the stretch. And a lot of it was due to kind of De'Aaron and the other guards for just not boxing out. Luke Wall mentioned it in the, in the post game that he's been emphasizing it, but the dudes aren't doing it. Like De'Aaron only had what one rebound this game. Uh, Tyree's had eight. Uh, Harrison only had five. Like Matsu only had five. We need more rebounds across the board. But uh, um, to, um, to stay on De'Aaron, like. The one thing that really stuck out to me this game that he just needs to get better at, he needs to play better defense. Like it, I get that it is Shea, but it's it's like he's so aloof or like it's so cool for school a lot of the time. Like he plays in a way that where he feels like he can definitely get the chase down block even if he gets blown by, but he doesn't really get that block a lot of the time. So he he tends to relax and kind of let the guy get by him way too easily but, you know to be fair it is Shay. Shay is nice like Shay just Shay has a very awkward style of play where he he has mastered the weird rhythm i call it the weird rhythm finishes like so does josh giddy to a certain degree but like you know he just got by De'Aaron on certain possessions and he got him on a spin move pretty badly too um but but like De'Aaron, the frustrating thing about De'Aaron is that he, we know he can be really good. Like during the during the uh, the Suns game, there were moments where he really deed up on Devin Booker, and it's just like he need if he's not going to be able to play well on offense, like he's again five for fourteen. You got to put some effort on the other end and make them feel you out there, you know. And that's the main thing that sticks out to me. Just god awful defense, and you know. Even if you add like Davion Mitchell and like other defensive players, that he is still the head of the snake. And unfortunately, the team lives and dies by what he does on the floor. And with Harrison Barnes cooling down, that is much more the case. He needs to be just better out there, you know. And especially on defense, if if his offense just isn't going at this point in the season. Um, yeah. And then that kind of just gives my other point. Like he just needs to assert himself out there more. You know, me and Fong have talked about it. I've listened to, you know, James Ham and uh, like all the all the journalists. They've talked about how the Sacramento needs a leader, and they need that you know that voice in the locker room. It was Shump in the 2018-19 season, and this year I was thinking it was going to be Tristan Thompson, a guy that's going to hold everyone accountable and hold De'Aaron accountable. But it gets to a point where you realize that it's got to come from the top the top is De'Aaron Fox. It's, and it doesn't seem like it's Harrison Barnes either. He doesn't seem to be that kind of guy. So, you know, uh, like De'Aaron or maybe Harrison Barnes, Tyrese probably is going to be that guy, but he's not the best player on the team. That's clear. It's gonna, it's De'Aaron Fox. And De'Aaron needs, like, you know, when the Thunder were going on a run in the third quarter, granted, I think, I think Fox was out for much of that. And like going on a run in the fourth quarter, De'Aaron needs to kind of get everyone together and just, you know, calm everyone down and just say, this shit is not going to happen to us. I mean, it, it, it very much could be, you know, uh, Tyrese doing that in the huddle, but it needs to be De'Aaron. De'Aaron's the best player on the team. He needs to sort himself out there. 
like as a floor general and as you know the game the game game manager that leader out there i know that just doesn't seem to be in his personality but he needs to, he, he needs to do it, it, it just, if he's going to be the, a max player if he's going to be the best player on the team it's got to be it it's it's part of his job and you know the, that kind of gets to my other point um just before we talk about that but it's just this is the kind of thing that De'Aaron needs to just like just needs to improve on like he can't afford to pick his spots as much as he does like on offense and defense he needs to just take over games more often than he is now and you know that's what that's what a max player does and right now he's not playing like one and that kind of gets to the other point. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't check it right after the Thunder game, but I assume the voice was pretty loud because it was pretty loud for other games where, you know, the Fox for Simmons noise is getting a little louder. And I'm still not on that train. And the reason why is because I just talked about the leadership. So the best player on the team needs to be that guy that asserts themselves, that gets everyone together. That you know, put that puts himself out there and gets everyone organized, and you you, you put all that together. De'Aaron very much is not that guy right now, and you can we can debate about like the fit the talent on the floor. Like Simmons is an amazing talent and probably can fix it, fix the Kings defense all by himself for all I know and provide just enough offense. But, you know, the what I just said about Deer and the kind of too cool for school thing, the t- you know, the lack of assertiveness, the lack of leadership on the floor. <laughs> you, I just brought those three, thing, three things up and none of those describe Ben Simmons in any way. That, you're talking about a guy that is just straight up not playing right now because he doesn't essentially doesn't feel like playing. I know there's some mental health aspects to it, but he has a bad track record of just not being a being the hardest worker and just being the you know the guy that you know that's out there being the leader by you know leadership by example type guy like the the things i just mentioned about the weaknesses of fox's play on the floor and you know as a leader and as a player none of those things come come with simmons either you can argue about the defense all you want but like the offensive i think there will be an offensive drop off granted fox is not really providing that much offense nowadays. I mean, he is, but like, it's not to a point where, you know, you say you don't trade him for Simmons, but it's the, it's the mental, it's the mental aspects of the game, leadership aspects of the game. Like you, you need your best player to be that, to be that dog, to be that, you know, the game manager. And just the one that rallies the troops together. And again, to lead the troops into battle and have the, have your guys know their role and just, Again, to settle everyone down, and Ben Simmons isn't that guy either, and that's kind of why I'm I'm never I'm probably just not going to be on the train of, of trading him for Simmons, even though the fit is it, it makes sense to a certain degree. And honestly, at this point, this team needs a change because this has happened enough to the point where it, it's an it's an organizational thing. But for sure, 15 years of not being in the playoffs, there's a stench there. But a lot of it is the players too, and what. And that's kind of why I can't, you know, he's been playing a lot better lately. And, you know, I'm actually a little bit more hesitant about trading him nowadays. But I think Buddy Heal probably needs to be gone. Because there just isn't a lot. It's just 
part of it is just like to stop <laughs> Luke Wong from playing him so much. And just the other part of it is like, I don't feel anyone ever holds him accountable for his defensive fuck ups, you know? Like, there's a lot of these, and, you know, maybe it's Tristan Thompson, but again, it needs to come from the top. De'Aaron needs to hold himself accountable. Sure, he can say all the right things, he's not doing it that much. He's not doing it enough. And, you know, buddy, you know what you're getting. And, you know, he's going to be a sieve on defense. And sometimes, like, I think this this franchise this needs to change. Like, and unfortunately, I hate to say it, Fox is not untouchable. I just wouldn't trade him for Simmons. It is my thing. And well, that's my kind of that's like my kind of rant on De'Aaron Fox. He needs to be better overall, and he, I think he can be that guy. But he needs to be more consistent about it. The, what makes a player great? To like put them up on the upper echelon of players is the player. Like you can argue about coaching all you want. You can argue about how Luke Walton's not a good coach. Ultimately, it's on the guys to do it. It's mostly going to be you know the players that that do it on the floor. There's only so much that a coach can do. And don't get me wrong, Luke Walton is not a good coach for the most part. It's, it's hard to find any evidence of that. But you know it's got to be on the players to get everyone together and just yeah like you cannot just close a 16 point lead you know argue about the thunder all you like the, you, you can talk about the thunder like you know they're on a four game winning streak they're a tough team don't get me wrong but at the same time this is a talent depleted team for the most part it's shade jordan a bunch of guys basically you should not be dropping a game to these guys you know and yeah i mean you know, like let, let's move on. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But you're on, you're on the track to lose nine games in a row again, and it feels like that. Now this team is going to prove that they're different from last year. They gotta, they gotta, they gotta stop the bleeding. And you know, next game is um, is Detroit, and you know, like it, I mean, it's a must win at this point. Like must, must win. Like I was saying this about the Thunder, but they've lost the Thunder now, and I know I'm moving the goalposts, but you know it's happened. You move, you take this L, and you move on, and just pick up the pieces where you left off, and just move on. Okay, well let, let's get to let's get a Halliburton. You know, immediately you kind of see like how this team has missed Halliburton, and Rashawn had a bounce back game, and it's no. Co- I'm just gonna say it's no coincidence that you know he. Rashawn had his best game since the Hornets game, 16 points, 15 rebounds. Also, some pretty BS calls on him. Like, where I, like, there was an offensive goal. There was one of the worst offensive goaltending calls I've ever seen where Rashawn catches a lob, like, just, I think it was from Fox, actually. But, and he, and he just throws it down. They call offensive goaltending, and they never showed a replay of the angle of, like, where the ball was, but they waved it off. But Rashawn was amazing this game, and like for Halliburton, like for stretches, just took over the game with you know his pick and roll and handoff manipulation. Like he he's getting really good at just playing that pick and roll game and setting up the big man. There were at least a three or four lobs from just from him to Rashawn, where like you know just the pick and roll and he places it places the lob perfectly on the money for, for Rashawn to just smosh it. 
And you know, the, the, that's what the Kings really miss. That that table setter, that that guy that just sets everyone up for open threes and dunks. Like, you know, he's again, he's gotten really good at the handoff and pick and roll game. Like there was one where he was able to get a uh, Lou Dort of all people just stuck completely stuck on the screen, erasing him from the play. Like he's getting really good at that. I'm I'm really excited for you know how he continues to improve and you know he is he is very important to the team and I honestly to a certain degree how many minutes did he play? He played 35, so he he's in there for a lot and you know there there are there are moments where like he's he kind of gets stuck and that's more on like the offense offense on its own or the offense as a whole. But, like he is able to kind of create and just manipulate the game and control the game in ways that you know an elite point guard can do he's doing it for stretches he's not doing it throughout the whole game like a chris paul but he might get there at you know at some point you know and i'm yeah he's he's been he's been great and yeah the team really missed him uh barnes um had a very quiet kind of game like surprisingly eight for 14 um four for six from the free throw line one of the issues that I see with the Kings, and kind of one of the reasons why they gave up that run uh, to, at the end of the third and the fourth, the Kings live and die by the three. And, you know, one of the big culprits is uh, Terrence Davis. Um, just like they, if like they, you know, their, their offense is meant to generate open threes. There are a lot of times where, you know, they take the first shot that's available. And it's pretty clear that, like, Luke Wallen has told guys like Buddy and Terrence Davis, just just go out there and launch. We, we want X amount of threes, like 50 threes a game. Unfortunately, when those threes aren't going down, the Kings really start to struggle. Because they just get into the habit of just jacking up bad threes, even though there are better options out there. And Harrison Barnes will was the only guy that I could really think of, like during that stretch, that looked for those easier buckets. You know, he got to the he got to the basket. You know, got got a few layups and just he was the only guy that was really attacking other than De'Aaron in this game. And the Kings probably need to dial back on the three point shooting. Buddy is who Buddy is, but like the one guy that I really want to see attack the basket more is Terrence Davis. Like he's a good dribbler. Like go into the basket more. Like I, I don't like his shot selection. It, I mean, it's it's Buddy esque at this point. Like just jacking up way too many. Like he was one for five this game from three and one for six. So five of the shots were threes, and and yeah, only one two. Like he's a good dribbler. He can penetrate a little bit. You know, get into the paint a little bit more. Like, generate those easier buckets as opposed to always just jacking up, like, you know, bad threes, you know? <clears throat> um, okay. Um, and also, the last thing I kind of, you know, want to see Luke do more, play Mo Harkless more. Right? He played eight minutes this game, came off the bench. Uh, Chemezi Metz, who actually started this game, I guess just for more offense and spacing. Talk about another guy that just jacks a little bit too much. Like he shot eight threes this game. Led, oh no, he was actually behind Buddy Hill. Never mind. Three for eight from three. Not the worst thing, but four for twelve overall and three for eight from three. Like I think I think he can be better. I think he's another guy that can kind of attack the basket a little bit more. It's just way too many just jacked up threes. Like sure, when you're open, like you know off good. When you get open, like off good ball movement, or you just catch your defender sleeping, fine. Like you get a you get a three in transition, fine. But there are enough moments where, 
like the Kings could really open up the lead and they jack a bad three or like take a bad shot and it kills the run. And that's kind of what let the Thunder kind of hang around most of the game for them to take and then for them to take the game um, going at the end of at the end. Um, so, yeah, that's what I want to see from the Kings a little bit more. Like they have dribblers and penetrators like that can that don't have to jack up threes all the time. They, and, you know, going back to Mo Harkless, like Mo Harkless, though not the best offensive player, one of the reasons why I've heard that he doesn't play as much is because of his, you know, his lack of three-point shooting. There are just times where, you know, he was 0 for 2 this game and 0 for 2 from 3 specifically. Like, I feel the Kings could just use more defense at this point and just use, you know, a guy that know that knows positioning and, you know, has really long arms to be destructive. Like, play play him more with Tyrese and just try and get him, you know, just, like, get being disruptive out there on defense. Like, the Kings are still kind of bad on defense. They're not historically bad. They're actually just bad now. <laughs> they're, I think they're 23rd, 23rd, 24th last time I checked. But, like, playing Mo Harkless more with, like, you know, Davion out there with, like, Harrison Barnes and... Uh, Harrison Barnes and Tyrese Halliburton, like you can really get a lot of length, and you know you have you have the, one of the best point of attack defenders out there in the league. Like that can be really disruptive, and you know if De'Aaron can get it going, like that's a super that's a that's a super disruptive like defensive lineup. You know, of course, Barnes would be the five in that situation. That's that can be tricky, but like you know it's. Uh, it's it's something that Luke should explore more, just the you know for the sake of op, just providing more offense or no, more defense, because the, I mean this I mean like when the team like starts to get go on droughts, like at least you can fall back on your defense a little bit more to get stops and you know hopefully lead to transition buckets. But as it stands right now, I did like eight minutes like off the bench. I feel like he should get at least get like 20, 24 minutes, you know, just be disruptive out there. Um, okay, well, that's, uh, yeah, well, that's basically all I have for the game. Uh, hopefully you guys do, it'll do like this version a little bit more. Uh, I did see there were, I think, three people that actually listened to it for the hour or the hour or two that it was posted. So, you know, good for you guys. You guys will be the, probably the only people that ever listened to that, uh, that pretty awful episode. Um, but, you know, I, I just thought it was unfair for the listeners to just get essentially a, kind of an angry, kind of wing it um, type performance for me. Um, just, you know, just quick thoughts and then bye. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I, I, you know, I just felt that it wasn't it wasn't a good uh, episode. So I just decided to just delete it and just redo it. And uh, hopefully you guys did did like this more in depth about this pretty awful loss to the thunder i mean they they actually did it they lost the thunder but you know it it is what it is you pick up the pieces and move on and next game is monday at detroit it's been painful it's it's gonna be a painful few days just because like you know you lose the thunder and and you know me just i i couldn't sleep i couldn't really sleep last night i couldn't get my mind off it i, I watched some game of thrones like that that was pretty good but like once game of thrones was over it was back to just essentially sulking about this loss um you know the, the kings just need to be better and they really need to break this losing streak because once you lose detroit if you lose detroit man that's gonna be tough, just because the next one is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like they're a good, t- they're a better team than what they look. I feel 
there's a lot of talent on that team and you know you never know how that game could go and then you have the jazz after and then another kind of gauntlet of a schedule um like in a bit let me actually just Yeah, so you have Utah 76ers, Portland, Lakers, Memphis, Lakers again, and, and yeah, to basically end the month. That's a rough patch of schedules. Like, uh, I mean, just don't go on another nine-game losing streak. If they lose it to, if they lose the Detroit Pistons, like, man, like you don't really get any easy games after that, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, like that, like it, it is, it is on track to be another nine-game losing streak if they do not win, win against Detroit. So, yeah, hopefully Monday is a win. Uh, as it stands right now, like it's not looking great. But I'm, I, I mean, I've been snake bin so many times already. But I believe in this team. Like, I, like you know, Tyree said everyone's, ang- you know, everyone's angry in that locker room, and it's time for them to show something. Like, it's do or die right now. Like, there's a sense of urgency. You got to bang in as many wins as you can now. So later on in the season that you, you know, you can stay in that playoff hunt. Like, right now, it's, I mean, it doesn't really matter what their standings is just because it's so far into the season. They're the 11th seed right now. And that's not good. So, yeah, they need to get things on track. And hopefully they do by just starting by beating a pretty hapless uh, Detroit Pistons team right now. Okay, well, uh, after the commercial, you are going to hear me talking about AEW. Okay, so I just finished watching uh, AEW Full Gear. And I'll be honest, didn't bother watching the whole show. They're just wasn't that much that interested me i don't watch the uh the show week to week so there's like a few things that i'm particularly interested in like i've i've told i've said before on the show um that my favorite favorite wrestler is daniel bryan or brian danielson whichever one you want to go with i rather just call him daniel bryan it just just sounds all right but uh, I did get the, to watch the Daniel Bryan versus Miro match. It was a okay match, honestly. Like, it didn't make me jump out of my seat. I, I don't remember at any point. But like, they had a they had an interesting finish where um, basically Daniel Bryan did a DDT from the top rope, like a spinning DDT um, on Miro and pinned him, which was surprising. It, although, if if you follow the story, the story is that. The only weakness of Miro, who's a monster, but that's Rusev, by the way, if you guys don't know, um, Miro is Rusev. Um, that the, he's a he's this invincible monster who has one weakness, and it's his neck. So they basically DDT'd him. He he basically sells it like he's been kind of knocked unconscious type deal, and then Ryan kind of puts him in a guillotine lock, and then yeah, basically the, the match ends there. I was hoping for a little bit more, but you know, it it was a good match. It wasn't anything special, but I always love my man D Bry Bry or Brian Daniels. Whichever one you guys want to go with. It's cool with me. But the main reason that I was very interested in this ma- or in this show was 
uh, Hangman Page versus um, Kenny Omega. I have uh, I have said I do usually don't watch or pay pay that much attention to weekly AEW shows, but this is this is a feud that I've known. It's a uh, Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. Hangman is you know kind of this cowboy who was well, I don't gotta go through his character, but you know he had a breakup with um, Kenny Omega. Uh, I don't even remember where it happened. I remember like they beat the Bucks and like Revolution when they still have crowds, but it's been about a I think a year and a half plus I want to say off the top of my head. I don't know the exact date, but they broke up. They broke up. Hangman kind of goes on this self-loathing journey he kind of joins up with a dark order who tried to like basically bring him back and you know throughout the year throughout the time throughout the months he starts to slowly gain confidence back and ultimately he it all it was almost always gonna lead to him facing omega at some point they did actually face each other in a championship uh, qualifiers match and and kenny omega just kind of beat him and then it sends him on this other dark path. And then, you know, basically here we are again. But while this is happening, Omega has been, you know, basically winning matches. He's becoming a champion. And it's... So basically he has this journey. He becomes a giant douchebag. He turns heel. And it, it, led, it led to what should have been the match at All Out. But um, Hangman ended up having to take a paternity leave. So... Placement was Christian Cage. Uh, if you guys did, if you guys are loyal listeners, I was not a fan of this. A fan of this, just because I don't know what it is with Christian Cage. Like I know he's like one of those guys that a lot of hardcore fans are like, you deserve a world championship run. Uh, but I don't know. He's just not really a star to me, and. You know, it's unfortunate. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of I wasn't the biggest fan of that option, but although they really didn't have any options, uh, so they went with that at all out, and you know that was that. But now Hangman Page comes back. Oh no! Oh, so before that actually happened, Hangman had a ten man tag, I believe, with Dark Order against the Super Elite, and Hangman lost that match. He was the final one, and he ended up losing to I think the Bucks and Kenny specifically. It was an elimination match and that was you know essentially hitting rock bottom he was out for a little bit that put him on paternity leave and then he comes back to a huge ovation at uh at this ladder match i forgot the name of it but he gets uh he gets the thingy uh, the champion the championship um opportunity match i think it gets like a, a like a chip i think it was yeah, he, he basically get, he basically gets it in a ladder match. It ends up facing um, full and ends up beating facing Jesus Christ Kenny Omega here at full gear. And this match was really good. Now, you know it was you know a baby face that everyone's behind. You know, like WWE is at a you know a horrible time booking of getting a baby face to this um, to this level. But he is this. He is a baby face that everyone is behind and you know everyone kind of like respectfully boos kenny omega they have a very good match like with you know some subtle storytelling uh, there's probably a lot more easter egg that i wouldn't know if i was watching the show week to week but basically it was it wasn't like any it wasn't a crazy spectacular match but you can feel the emotion in the match 
Like there were there were like certain moments. I one of my favorite things about Kenny Omega is his you know his V trigger out of nowhere. People talk about the RKO out of nowhere, but the V triggers, the knees are just always amazing. And then you know Hangman has his clotheslines and his little elbow strikes. So that lets us several amazing sequences. And the final sequence, which by the way my feet cut at that point, which really pissed me off. I had to watch it. I went to watch a replay of it. But you know, um, yeah, H- Hangman does a buckshot lariat, V trigger, sets up for the one winged angel, but Hangman reverses it into his one winged angel. Up, uh, you know, gets a two, gets a gets a two count, and then the Bucks come out and they don't do. They basically are want to interfere but don't, and and Hangman basically buckshot lariats. Uh, or Kenny Omega twice to get the win. Well deserved. It was the right. It was. I was definitely the right decision. I have been rooting for Hangman to win. I know the wrestling community was well, not even the wrestling community. It was just wrestle talk and some and you know a few a few people. I think Denise Salcedo was one of them too. Ugh. I, I I was not a fan of anyone that said Hangman does not win here just because he's white hot right now. And you're never, I don't think, I think if he doesn't win here, sure, you can kind of tell the story of, of like, more redemption, but, and, you know, you can really drag this out to, you know, really long-term storytelling. But I just don't think you can capture that magic again, like, to have the crowd this behind him. So I thought, I thought he had to win here, and, yeah, he won, and I'm very happy about it. This is probably... Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna say Gargano was better. Like I, I, I wasn't around when the Daniel Bryan stuff happened. My, my favorite babyface run of 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 all time is Johnny Gargano run. Although it didn't last very long, but the, you know the chase to the championship, like was probably the best babyface chase I think I've ever seen. And, and like I think this is probably second to it just in terms of like the long-term storytelling how everyone was so behind him at this point like Gargano had some hiccups to say the least in the middle of that story but it was still a good story but this is a good story I think throughout outside of unfortunately him having to pull out all out this I thought the story was perfect and I'm very glad it, it ended up happening here the only real complaint I have about the match is I wish it was just pure one-on-one. Like, you didn't really need Don Callis there. You didn't. I guess you, you could have used the Bucks. I mean, they didn't interfere. But, like, I wish it was just pure one-on-one. The two best, you know, wrestlers. Eh, yeah, the two best the two best uh, wrestlers in the ring. Just have them just create, you know, just wrestle each other and create magic. A la, like, how they did in New Japan with... Uh, Omega and Okada back in the day and you know speaking of which like Okada's I, I, what show is Okada and I think Okada's in a sh- uh, doing a New Japan show at, I want to say in California point is he's in he's in the US right now and you know there are rumors you know on Dynamite you might hear that you might hear that coin drop and uh, Okada will be showing up at AEW maybe because AEW has a pretty good, uh, has a pretty, let's just say, you know, blossoming relationship with, uh, with New Japan after, you know, even though it was off to a rocky start to say the least. 
And I'll, I mean, if Okada is going to show up, if one of Okada or, you know, the golden, no, no pun intended, the golden, the golden opportunity, the golden choice, you know, Kota Ibushi, like, if one of those show up at Dynamite, that's going to be awesome. And, you know, and, you know, like, I don't know who, um, Hangman's going to face right off the bat, but, like, Omega has choices. Like, he has so many, like, storylines from other promotions that he can go to. Like, o- I think it's, it would be their f- Okada, Omega Okada 5? Because I think they wrestle either three times or four times. I don't remember. But, like, that's another, that's an epic rivalry. And then the, the history of him and Kota Ibushi. I, have they wrestled in New Japan? I know they were, like, they wrestled each other in DDT. Like, there was, you know, there was, like, talk about a match between them. And, you know, unfortunately, the New Japan stuff started out, like, so just badly because of just animosity between, you know, Omega and the Young Bucks leaving. That they never really got to wrestle, and Kota Ibushi decided to stay with New Japan. Um, but now, like, that Forbidden Door is open, you know? Like, the ch- options for Omega, there's so many of them, and... I guess for Hangman, his next feud is going to be Daniel Bryan. Now, I want to see where that's going to lead to. It's going to be a good match because D. Bry Bry or Brian Danielson. Again, if you want to get technical about it, like he, he like he's going to bring out a good match. But I want to see where the storyline takes them. And I assume that's going to be the next uh, pay-per-view match. I don't know the name of the next pay-per-view. So uh, sorry if I don't have it off the top of my head, but... Yeah, I mean, overall, AEW, like, the two matches I saw, they were really good. I did get to catch a, a glimpse of uh, MJF. Love, I love MJF. <laughs> Such a dick. It's, it's, it's great. He's great. He's a... Uh, in a world in a world where being a heel is so hard nowadays, you know, like, the, the line between go-away go heat and actual, like, you know, real heat where the fans respectfully boo you and you can actually get them to boo you. And it's not like the type of booing where you just want to turn the channel or just, you know, just ignore the, ignore the heel. MJF has somehow find, found that line and he, he's great. And, um, yeah, the overall, um, like, I just loved how that they put over Hangman here because I, I was not down for another journey. Like, I mean, the journey's been so long already, and we finally reached the climax, and rightfully so. And, you know, AEW's looking up. Like, there's, they, they just seem to be making the right making the right calls, and just, they're building on momentum, and it's good to see. Like, they, it'll be a while before they can, quote-unquote, challenge WWE, and, like, and like don't, don't get it twisted. They're never going to put them out of business. WWE's too powerful for that at this point. But, you know, they have a lot of upwards upwards momentum and, like, the possibilities. I mean, if this New Japan thing is going to actually, like, really go through, that's going to be amazing. Like, it opens another, like, list of, end, of possibilities. And hopefully they also renew some of their, like, or, like, their impact relationship. Um, just because... Like I, I listen to Wrestle Talk a lot, and you, most of my opinions kind of come from there. Or like, you know, I, I, you know, so there's a lot. Of, there's some things I don't agree with them on. But you know, the women's division, like they have one match here, and Taya Conti had basically no sh- real shot at beating Britt Baker. Britt Baker's just above ever, so like 
leaps and bounds above just about anyone in the division. They really could use a boost in that division. And I did not watch the buy-in shows. So I, just, I did not get to catch uh, one, my, you know, Sheeta. I, I really like Sheeta. So, um, you know, they maybe could use that like relationship to build up some of their women's wrestlers. And honestly, use up some of their like male, male wrestlers that's not just the good brothers or... Um, the two bullet club guys, the, the two ball guys, Gallows and Anderson. Like, there's a lot more you can do with that. And, you know, they did not really explore it the first time around. Maybe the second time around they can do a little better. But uh, ultimately, uh, I, got what I, I got what I wanted. So I am very happy about the show. And I'm excited to see what uh, if a certain coin is going to drop on uh, third Wednesday Night Dynamite. Okay, well... That's it for uh, this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed the redo of the uh, OKC Thunder game, the post-game review. And hopefully, you know, you like this extra little wrestling review that I decided to just do here. Because guess what? It's a momentous show and it's a it's an occasion that's worth doing, you know, part of an episode on. So, um, yeah, chances are, like, I mean, Fong's not here, of course. Um know i doubt he would have watched it to be honest unless i told him to but you know uh i, mean, I guess i'll ask him what he feels probably not gonna have, he's probably not gonna have a uh, not gonna have a, a real opinion about it but um yeah thank you guys for um listening to this episode and hopefully you guys have a good day hopefully you guys found something to recover from that okc game you know, maybe watch this show. Like, if you're into wrestling, this was a good show from, you know, from what I've heard so far. Like, you know, the again, I got the result I wanted. So I'm happy. And, uh, yeah. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I'll be coming back to you guys after the Detroit game. And, you know, all, everybody just prayers. Oh, uh, last thing I want to talk about. Almost forgot. So Dave Yeager has actually um, checked in. Uh, so he's actually going to leave the uh, 76ers um, assistant coach staffing position for the moment because he just he was just diagnosed with uh, some sort of neck and shoulder cancer, I believe was what I read. Luckily, uh, Woj did tweet that he um, that he managed to catch it early. So chances are he's going to be able to recover. Uh, you think he wrote? Yes. So he. Uh, Dave Yeager, um, on a podcast he did with Woe, says he has a 90% chance of cure of curing it, which is good, which is great to hear. Like, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, Dave, Dave is probably most likely going to be okay, you know. Like, a lot of people remember his time fondly here. That 139 win season <laughs> is basically our best accomplishment for in about, you know, a decade. Like, you know, a lot of Kings fans look at that, look back at those times very fondly. And I was I, I was on the train of, you know, not firing him because you found you finally found some success with one guy. And, you know, you, you know, it it kind of like it makes sense to keep the guy. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I advocate. I guess I advocate. I don't really advocate for Lu Wong. I advocate against firing him just because continuity, I think, does matter. And I wish we could. I wish we could have kept Dave Eager for for that year. 
and uh, see where it would have gone. Maybe it just ends up being what Luke Walton ended up doing the first year because there were a lot of injuries that year. So, but you know, um, you know, thoughts and prayers, I guess. Like, I wish we could do more, but like, you know, thoughts. I guess just send your thoughts and prayers to um, Dave Yeager. You know, he was a very he was he was a good coach while he was here, and you know, we all wish him the best. You know, the NBA fandom. You know, sometimes we go a little overboard, but like we are. So a family and we always wish the best for everyone and uh yeah hopefully he beats this cancer um I just, i'm reading a tweet where <laughs> I'm, i don't know why it surprised me this much but like uh, james ham actually has the word bitch in it so <laughs> yeah he says cancer is a bitch so yeah um hopefully you know hopefully dave yeager um is able to beat beat the cancer and hopefully he makes a full recovery and you know is able to go back to the 76ers staff and yeah no thoughts and prayers to him okay well thank you guys for listening uh we'll ca- i'll catch you guys back on probably monday evening